Welcome to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast, powered by the King's University. This is a conversation to encourage and validate women on their ministry journeys. Now, let's join TKU's Dr. Rhonda Davis and Julie Cole for this episode of the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. We're so excited to be here with our friend, Dr. Irene Fambro. I want to tell you a little bit about her before we get started. She is a wife and mother, teacher and student, speaker and listener. I love that. She and her high school love Kenneth, have two children, Kalila and Kenneth. Kenneth Jr.? Well, the third, actually. Kenneth the third. Okay, yes. Her passion is to increase the contributions within organizations through valuing a greater definition of intelligence. We're going to talk about that today. Out of that desire, intelligent leadership was birthed from her dissertation work on multiple intelligence in leadership. Her experience includes a BS in business administration with a concentration in management from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And for those who are just offended, it's okay. Keep listening. (laughs) Hang in there. Hang in there. She was ordained through the Wesleyan Church and gained a Master of Divinity from Beeson Divinity School. Um, We love your work and love your heart for the next gen even more. I see that as you mother and as you champion other voices. So um, we're excited. Currently, she's consulting into churches on intelligent leadership content she teaches here at TKU, as well as preaches at churches. Dr. Fambro, it's a delight to have you with us. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> How are you guys? We're, We're good. Are you going to do your listener role here? I'm going to do my listener role. Like, <laughs> no, we ask the yes, questions. Yes, yes. <laughs> I kind of like the balance in that. That's why I put it in there, because I feel like I'm, you're, you're never all the way at some place. Like if, if you are, I think you're in balance. Like That's if you're true. only the teacher and you're never a student, then you True. miss it. Like you've got to sit in the posture of a student. If you're only the speaker and you never listen, which I can, I definitely can land in that space. But <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm going to ask you the obvious question. We heard about leadership intelligence. What is it? And how, what caused you to get interested in that? Well, I, when I was, um, I went back to get my PhD uh, much later in life, which I was thankful for. Um, I think that I had seen a lot in leadership. I had, um, I'd been a junior high pastor, so go ahead and give me my marks on. Right. You know, like I got my, like you war did wounds. Your time. <laughs> <laughs> I did my time. No, those of you are junior high pastors, hang in there. Mm-hmm. And if that's what your lifetime calling is, God bless you. Yes. Um, but I, I was a junior high pastor, then I was a college pastor, and had really seen some beginnings of things. And I knew I wanted to go back and do my PhD and. Um, It was exciting to do it after having seen things, right? because I think it gave me eyes to look for something. I was on the hunt for something as far as, um, and I couldn't even, really couldn't tell you, like this was not on my radar. What I did become attracted to initially was emotional intelligence, and it was popular on the scene. I just was thankful emotions were being validated. But (laughs) if I had to be honest, the forefront of my life I did not really accept my femininity in ministry mm-hmm. and I'd really shut it down because it was a mainly masculine environment. So to, I just felt like, you know, just adapt, like wow. just don't make your, your feminine so obvious and can even think of times where <coughs> I was in the middle of a meeting and I, and I'm not going to say emotions are just feminine. So that's another misconception sure. about emotional intelligence right? um, is that they're not relegated just to the feminine. But I remember I had gotten teary and everybody around the table was able to like say it straight. And I don't know what it was, but I had really connected into the story I was telling 
But I remember going to the bathroom and just thinking like, I'm such a girl, mm. but it wasn't in a positive way. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like, mm, you've got to pull this together. Like, don't wear your, I heard phrases, um, even from my supervisor that was like, you know, don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. And just things that, I don't think it was their intent. They just, in their limited information, it was like, um, maybe you miss the fact we're uh, wrapped in skin, which is a response system. We're enveloped in ability to respond. And we were made to respond. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I was attracted to it because I was waking up to it personally. But then I realized, I don't want to be the chick that does emotional intelligence. Like, I know that sounds really bad, like really deep. <laughs> I get that. But I think the other part was, I know there's more to uh, as well. Like that can't be the only one because then you just become like kind of the seller and pusher of just that. And so when I was talking to um, my committee chair, he was asking me, he was like, well, have you ever looked into multiple intelligence? Now here I'd gone, this is three years. I'd never even heard of it. I was like, mm. oh, what does that mean? And he, you know, such a God story. He happened to be just working on a popular press article on it. He was like, just read this. And I fell in love. So wow. there was this guy in the 80s, his name's Gardner. He wrote a book named um, Frames of Mind, titled Frames of Mind. And I love the fact he just started just undoing the, um, the idea of what intelligence meant. Like this one notion, especially in our Western culture, um, that is maybe something like knowledge intelligence where we get our IQ or logic mathematical, which is, um, it is numbers and it can be financially related, but it's also patterns. Mm. Um, so that's how predominantly, there's certain ones that have a, predominant, like, yes, oh, you're intelligent if you yes. operate in this. Uh -huh. Right. Um, so, but then he started breaking it open. And once somebody paves the path for that, everybody's like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And so I got to choose um, seven that I thought were related to leadership. And so I, uh, I chose linguistic intelligence, which is just language, words, and it's the nonverbal as well. It's just the, the value of that. Um, and then there's... Um, Logic mathematical intelligence, which is the one that I already described. Knowledge intelligence which is where we get our IQ testing from. Then you have emotional intelligence, and then you have temporal intelligence, really fun, because it has to do with timing, recognizing that past, present, mm -hmm. and future, and what that brings to the, really, this is practical in the brainstorming, problem-solving um, tables that we bring. It's like, mm -hmm. how can I draw the most out? And so um, then we get to, um, there's... Also, cultural intelligence. So global, yes, understanding and adapting to those scenarios, but recognizing your own culture, like your organizational culture. Right. Like when this decision happens, how does that affect accounting? How does it affect operations? Mm -hmm. You know, wow. all those places. And then spiritual intelligence. That one's a, a bit like talk about creeping onto the academic scene. Yeah. And so uh, Gardner actually alludes to it probably in the late 90s, but he doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Like He's like, yeah, I think it's there. And then somebody kind of mentions it. So um, I was able to interview um, Bill Johnson, Christine Kane, and Robert Morris. And so what I did specifically, this is like nerding out. So hang in there. That's I know right. it's just kind of turning with yeah. you. It, so the idea was that I would interview each of them individually and then someone that actually watched their decision-making and then what one of them called a lie detector test, we all meet together and it's to triangulate the data and data collection. Triangulation is good for anybody who's in yeah. counseling. You're like, whoa, I thought we weren't supposed to have triangles. Right. No, no triangles. So only in your data, it's just a verification. It's kind of like a checks and balance system. Yeah. And so um, you do that. And thankfully only, um, although I would have, this process was fun, but thankfully there was enough data saturation, meaning you get to a point where you're getting the same data. 
that all three of them utilized all seven, maybe not to the same degree. There were some that had higher emphasis than others, but you could see it that it was a part of their highly effective leadership. Yeah. And so really walked away. I remember meeting with my committee and telling them, and I would broken down some questions that each intelligence you could ask under it to try to draw it out. And to their shock, they were like, Irene, you could really use this like practically. And I was like, (laughs) really? Right, like most dissertations go and they just live online. I wanted this to be not useful at all. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, oh, and they're like, no, really? And I was like, oh, okay, this is exciting. So that birthed, um, I created a consulting company, Intelligent Leadership. And so I just love coming to um, teams and Honestly, it's it's like I have a thing, but I don't because really they're the thing. Mm-hmm. Like the human resources all around you. And so I just begin to teach them how to garner it out. Like how do you enlarge the table of contribution? Which to me is like, how do we bring the body of Christ together? Mm-hmm. And so without, most leaders aren't maliciously leading their brainstorming, problem-solving meetings, just like it's only my way. It's just the way that they see it. Mm-hmm. And so they may ask, a logic mathematical will ask, how have we done it in the past? Yeah. What are the budget that we have? And those are great questions. You still need that at the table. But I may have to ask, hey, guys, where are we at with emotionally for our team? Mm-hmm. Or what are the emotions of the people we're trying to reach? Um, you can go, you can talk about it like globally where we are um, to your own hemisphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you can, you can keep shrinking it so that you get a bigger understanding of how do we intersect what we're doing with the person that's there. So that's for the emotionally intelligent person or how's it going on in our, uh, our culture of our organization? Can we, um, and, and I love the temporal one. I love them all. I mean, it's kind of like, it's not like equally loving your children, but (laughs) when you spend this much time talking about them all, you're like, Oh, but I like you too. You're really important. (laughs) Um, but with, uh, temporal intelligence, it's so beautiful to be able to say, okay, what would happen if we wait? Like what's the harm of 30 days? Cause everything feels like it was supposed to be done yesterday. So what happens if we don't, you know, if we, if we don't act, what are the consequences that move forward with it? So it was really, I mean, it was, you kind of stumbled onto it. Yeah, Yeah. it was. And I love the fact that there was more. Um, And I think that I see the places that I wanted to contribute and um, maybe just, there just wasn't necessarily an understanding of how to bring different that intelligence diversity to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you you find this space and you go, wow, this is a beautiful place of seeing opportunity for um, the places that maybe along my journey were missed for me, right. but I can create that space for others. I love that. This m- People that are listening to this podcast are mostly women in leadership. They're female leaders. So I'm just curious to ask, as you were mentioning a little bit earlier, but is there one of these intelligences that you see female leaders more responsive to or less responsive to? Oh, I don't, I, I can't say that I've observed it from a gender perspective. Sure. I think I've noticed that probably more of where people want to stereotype females yeah. into. So definitely the emotional intelligence. Um, and I have met some really emotionally unintelligent women, you know, like mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, you're shut down. Mm-hmm. Oh, you won't let anything. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and I know that sounds harsh. Like, oh, I'm just, it just means I can have emotions and not use them intelligently. Right. So just, I mean, we all can. Like I can have them and they can be very present. And that means that I can either shut them down 
or I can let them loose without guiding them out, <laughs> like, yeah. which, you know, stewarding that emotion. And I think right. that to me is the intelligent part is did I steward it? Because all of them, I can be aware of, I can have knowledge, but I can use it unintelligently. I can weaponize my knowledge. Right. I can take, I, I definitely can do it because I, I favor linguistic intelligence a lot. And so I can have my language. And I certainly can use it unintelligently right. um, when I feel real defensive in a conversation and I realize uh, I'm starting to um, want to trumpet by maybe adding some information I know they don't know. And so then I can be a conversational bully with my words. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't think that I would never peg one to a gender because I'm thinking, wow, God, there's so many different ways you make us um, that I could see that each can operate in them. More so I'm seeing where people want to stereotype a gender in it um, and say, and, and you see that with the push um, for trying to get more women into um, STEM uh, professions. And it's the stereotype, oh, oh men are do well at science and math, you know? And so uh, you just... So maybe we need to come out from behind those stereotypes and embrace multiple intelligences, like you're saying. Absolutely. The um, When I talk about logic mathematical, I tell everybody... Can you just for a second put a pause on your encounter with your math teacher? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, we all have somebody. I would somebody. love to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I would like to pause that one because I have this encounter and I, I actually, I operate a lot in logic mathematical. Like, there, I see patterns a lot, um, but logic mathematical gets lumped into just math. How good were you at math? And so, but you may be a person that sees those patterns and you don't realize that's what math is. It's patterns because it's the same for formula that gets plugged in. No matter what gets plugged in, a pattern is produced, yeah. a very predictable one. So once I realized, hey, you know what? That encounter I had with my Algebra 3 teacher, no, this is not personal. And if you are her and I'm so sorry, <laughs> I've gotten freedom, so you're okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if that encounter that made me feel less than, that I didn't understand, that um, that I didn't have this, that maybe they didn't teach me about having a, a growth mindset versus a fixed one. Um, then I can, I can sh shut down an intelligence that I have just based upon a relational encounter That's and right. experience. That's right. And so I wonder what's inside of us that hasn't gotten healed. That is, you know, suppressing the gift and the calling and the intelligence we're to bring to the body of Christ. I wonder about your own journey, because you started out talking about going to the bathroom and saying, I am such a girl, you know, when you cried. Can you tell us a little bit about your own journey of opening up and being okay with your femininity at a table where you might be the only woman? Yes, yes. Um, oh, man. Um, so I'm Egyptian, and so we. Uh, what we'd like to say is we're just a passionate people. <laughs> we're not loud or angry for no reason. We're just very <laughs> passionate. And so... Um, I think you you begin to witness, um, like many in their family, between my mom and my dad, two totally different stewardship of emotions. Like, huh. so you have, you know, my mom's definitely, um, definitely more expressive. And my dad, two PhDs, he's like, I'll let you know when I have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> but with, because he's Egyptian, when he has to say it, it's going to be passionate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so it was a very strange, like working out, nobody we didn't talk about emotions in stewarding it like the mm -hmm. same way we would do about finances. Like, Hey, you need a budget. Hey, you need to know how to work. You know, those kind of things. Nobody sits you down. You just 
are a casual observer of them. Uh And then, you know, you start seeing people and you think, oh, I want to be like that. But you're only seeing one aspect to it, right? So, okay, I want to be reserved because, or I think quiet people are listened to more. And I failed on all accounts on that (laughs) one. And so, you know, the realities were I began to make a choice. And I thought because I wanted to, um, I thought, I I just didn't see (laughs) men expressing their emotions um, in ministry. And so... Um, unless it was an altar call, and then we were all crying. I think I got saved like fifty times yeah. in the 90s, but so that translated as emotions make you less of a contributor at the table. Yes, because th- they had a specific place and a role. Mm. So here, they're definitely utilized here um, when you want to be passionate about preaching on something, when you want to invoke a, an altar call and, mm-hmm. and connect to an emotion, so that you can connect with people. Um, but at the table of contribution you should keep them in check. Mm-hmm. And so when I was told, you know, that I should, you know, um, that I wore my emotions on my sleeve, I was like, oh, okay. I need to wear a long, long sleeve. sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no sleeve. You know, and so you just, and you pick up on it, like just the places that I wanted to naturally express something, you can feel people's discomfort and it teaches you a lesson that's not okay. We don't want that. That's not there. And so um, it becomes really hard to show up um, in fully, mm-hmm. and you learn places to shut down, and you learn places to say this is not okay. And what I realize is that I feel like our pain and our burden sit so close to each other. And um, the places that I'm willing to go after and heal my pain will actually uh, increase the er- um, the territory of my burden. That's mm-hmm. good. And, and, and so it's worth going after, not just for the territory for my burden, but it helps me understand um, even some of the underlying uh, connections of my burden, you know, most often sit really close to my pain. So I can pick up on things that maybe people won't pick up on because of my pain. Like I'm very familiar with a controlling spirit. I'm very familiar with, you know, certain mm-hmm. things that I've encountered in my life. Now my question is, how will I respond to what I see? How will I steward that? Is it going to be for my pain? Or will I respond out of my burden? And my burden's from a healthy place. So I know how to respond to it in a healthy way. You'll know if I'm responding out of my pain because it won't be the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> there will be no love, yeah. <laughs> no joy, yeah. no, no self-control for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, it's all the things Paul talks about. Actually, right above that in the same chapter where it talks about hostility, outbursts of anger, division. Yeah. Those those. There's, there's still a seed being planted. A fruit will come. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I just noted, for me, it was no one sat me down. But I think, you know, we have to recognize it's like they only knew what they knew as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, but I'm not, uh, once I encounter it and I intersect that information, now I'll, it's my question of, you know, am I going to steward what I see? Yeah. Am I going to steward what I know? Um, and how do I move forward in that? Yeah. And that becomes, it's really hard to navigate when you are picking up things that um, maybe other people aren't. And I think that's the idea with the intelligences, especially spiritual intelligence. It's the one everybody gets to operate in. Like the others, you can see like, hey, I operate in that sometimes, sometimes I don't, you know, but this one like supercharges all of them. It actually can defy all the other intelligences yeah. and you go for it, you know, I mean, but it it's the one that people may call their gut or their instinct or their sixth sense. And you're like, nope, that's Holy Spirit talking to you. It's your spiritual intelligence that's saying, I know that 
you know, I'm going to show you something that's, let me pull away the natural and let me let you see the supernatural and bring that unseen into the scene. Mm -hmm. And so I watched that grow and develop along the way. But a lot of times, even in ministry environments, you can have a spiritual intelligence informing you. You can have the Holy Spirit informing Mm -hmm. you. But then people say, well, what's the numbers? Like, how do you back that up? And you're like, um... Jesus, like, (laughs) I don't know what to say. I just don't feel a peace. I just Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, I I know that we're all saying we could all get on board with this, but I don't feel like we're all in unity about, you know, with Mm -hmm. this. And the Holy Spirit just has me in check. And and it's really hard to be the person in the meeting to say that. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time, even in ministry settings, you have groupthink, which is a legit study of Mm -hmm. (laughs) what happens to people when they all come together you know, those, whatever predominant personality, and it differs in different settings, um, states their opinion first or more passionately, or then everybody's like, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> what has that looked like for you as you've kind of become more comfortable at the table? You know, you're less running to the bathroom, complaining that you're a girl, <laughs> you know, less of that. Um, what has that looked like for you personally? When did you realize, like, I am comfortable at the table with the intelligence that I bring? Is it going to be disappointing to say that there, the discomfort doesn't always go away? No, that's, that's honest. real, yeah. Um, I, I remember I was sitting around a table, and it was actually people, they were celebrating that I had finished um, getting my PhD, and a lot of them were telling these stories about how excited, you know, how, I'm, not excited, but, you know, they were just like, oh, Irene, you know, when I think of you, you say things other people won't say. And, you know, it was just, it literally was like all these different stories around that. And I was like, oh, wow. And it was cool to see people's perspective. And of course, I didn't just take it in. I had to say something. (laughs) And I said, I I hope you guys understand that for every time you're mentioning, I drove home and rattled that in my brain for hours Mm. about what I said, or should I have said that? Or was I supposed to, did I say too much? Mm. Did I, you know, and so there's this place that I know it's like, What's hard about it is it burns inside of me. I'm like, oh, forget it. I'll either go home with, you know, this burning or just a couple of worries about what I said, you know, so I might as well just say it. And so um, what I've noticed because of that linguistic side for me is that I'm, and I do feel like it's a connection to other ones, but for me, it's like, I need to verbalize, like, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time with this. Is any, is this, is this complicated for someone else? Does this feel crunchy? Does it, mm-hmm. so I. I tend to be the person that says things that people are thinking that nobody wants to say. Yeah. And that role is hard. Like, I keep hoping that I'm like, yeah, I said it. (laughs) I don't care what you think. I don't care. (laughs) You know, but you do. Like, you don't want to. I spent most of my life worried about being rejected. Mm. And then when I was like, okay, God, I belong. I I, I belong at least in my own skin. I'm, I'm okay with me. Uh, but what it meant early on defensively is that I would say things, this is where I, I would unintelligently use my linguistic intelligence, but is that I would say things because I immediately wanted them to feel shocked so that I rejected them before they rejected me. Mm-hmm. Let me just say something. That's fine. You know, that's mm-hmm. cool. I'll just do this. I'm going to create my own bubble. Before, I don't want to feel you reject me. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, Irene, you cannot just come in. And just use, you know, just shoot off your words so that you can, as a defense mechanism. So it's like, let's listen. Let's see where, uh, and this is where that stewardship of it. Mm-hmm. God, do you want me to share this? Does this have value? Is this for my pain or for my burden? 
-hmm. Like if it's, if I'm getting triggered, um, you know, triggered versus a burning flame, you know, in my, in my, you know, um, I'm thinking of the passage where it's like, I've got a a burning in my My bones, my bones. I was like, my belly, my, (laughs) yes, linguistic intelligence is high right now. But, uh, you know, but you, you, the reality of going, what's the difference? Am I being triggered by this? Or is it really a burning in my bones? Is something you're asking me to say? In those moments, it's, I've made it and I've missed it. Yeah. Uh And sometimes I have to just, especially if I know it's a trigger, I will say this, let me just, at least acknowledge it inside of you and go, I feel that. You might have to write it down on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. the moment, the some a word, because words ma- matter to me. Mm-hmm. Somebody can say a word and I'm, I'm like, oof, ouch, like that hurt. And so I need to put it down and just kind of say to myself, I know that hurt and we will go after this together with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, pr- I have to reassure myself. I'm not going to shove it down, abandon it, forget about it. Because that trigger, it needs, it's like, I got to get out. I got to, like, mm-hmm. I need to, you know, voice this. I need to, and if I'm not careful, I will trigger all over them. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like, it will just be a massacre right there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's, and there's a lot of regret in that. So, but it's come with practice. It sounds like the more you're willing to put it out there and practice. Absolutely. And I want a permission. I think that's why the, the Bible did not hide how messy people were. Mm-hmm. I would not write the Bible that way. Like, it's so messy. I'm like, really? You know, Abraham, you keep lying? Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. You're kind of related to Sarah. Like, <laughs> but come on. I mean, the Bible even presents it like, you just, this is just your thing. You just can't stop. Like, yeah. stop lying, you know? Or, you know, just weird stories that are in there that you're just going, didn't you want to clean that up a little bit, God? You, you wanted all the stuff out there. And um, I think it's like, God's like, I'm not afraid to partner with humanity. And and your humanity doesn't disqualify you. And it doesn't, I don't expect you to show up perfect. I don't, I'm just trying to figure out how to be okay with my humanity and say, not use it to permission places that I don't want to grow in, but to say, hey, Lord, what do you want to do? Like, I see it. I take ownership of that. Now, how do I, you know, move forward and steward what you're showing me? Um, but God isn't afraid. And, and, and What's strange is he still wants to partner with you. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like, he keeps coming and asking. He keeps coming. Us. I'm like, yeah. you, you know, I don't think I made it. I didn't do it very well there, or I don't. Um, and and it's interesting because there are places I, as a woman, I've probably been hurt the most in ministry environments. Mm-hmm. And it's tell the, me about that. Like, yeah. what does that look like? <laughs> well, well, what I was gonna say is, and that's the place I'm called to. Yeah. And I'm like, it's your burden oh, and your pain. It yeah. really mm-hmm. is. And I, I'm like, God, I, you've got to be kidding. Like, it is really hard to realize that um, I could go further in marketplace than I can in the church. Mm. Why do you think that is? Oh, I think it goes all the way back to the garden. Mm. I think that enmity between my seed and the and the enemy. I know it is a reference to Jesus, but there is something that he came after in targeting women. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I, I, this is the the false notion that the world's giving about women and, and growing in our leadership and co-reigning together is that it will have to come at the cost of men. Right. That's the lie. 
Right. It, watch all the things that are coming out, like in The Incredibles, number yes. two, yeah. yes. the the wife can't, you know, has to come in because the father's incompetent. Yeah, you so know? dumb. Exactly. Right. In the Justice League, you know, Wonder Woman gets to take over because Batman's a drunk. You yeah. know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh, dang. Yeah. Like it's never, you don't see a healthy co-reigning. Yes. It yes. always has to come at the cost of, of, of men. It's like, who's going to win this? Yeah. Right. And original intent in the garden is co-reigning. Like, you don't have any hierarchy. You don't have roles written out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually too simple in the garden for me. <laughs> like, it's just like, take dominion and multiply and eat from that one tree. Mm-hmm. No more guardrails. I don't even leave my kid at home alone with, like, just three things. You know, I got, like, 20. <laughs> don't forget to clean everything. You know, and I'm going off on these all these places. And don't do this and stay away from that. And God's like, yeah. I, we don't get hierarchy till we get into chapter chapter three with the curses. And now we have this place where our eyes are on man to define us, and then man's eyes are on the ground and his toil and his work to define him. And we we are keep we keep looping this. And Jesus came to break that curse, but yet we still operate in that. I still want man to validate me. And and I still, you know, and so there are places, that's why it's it grieves me that inside the church should be the freest place that we operate. Um, but outside the church, they've caught on to um, it. Really, it's like a, a counterfeit of an inheritance that we have. Yeah. I mean, this is our inheritance. We get to live free of the curse. And so outside the church, I can run a country, mm-hmm. a country <laughs> entire. Yeah. That means men and women. And inside the church just depends where you are. And right. so that has been, it's just difficult. It's difficult mm-hmm. to navigate. It makes you, um, it makes you, over focus on your gender mm-hmm. being as your identity. Uh, I laid that really before the Lord just last year. I was like, Lord, is my gender my identity? And, you know, or is my ethnicity my identity? Is my giftings and callings? And he just began sh- like, Irene, anything that's outside of relationship with me is not like my giftings and callings, they're the expression out of my partnership with him, but they're not my identity. And so for me, even my gender, he was like, well, you're a daughter of the king, but just your gender detached from relationship with me is not your identity. And that's where you see the world swirling about gender because gender is trying to become their identity. And God's like, no, 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 like connected into relationship Mm -hmm. with me. And that's your identity. So those those core things, God's just been really protective of me. Like "Mm -mm, you're letting other things creep in as your identity. And you can be saved and struggle with it. <laughs> yeah. You can be in ministry a long time. And if I don't look back at what have I let creep into my identity? Is it certain successes? Is it certain measures, certain validations from certain people? You know, what are those things that I've let creep in? Because when they don't happen, my world collapses. My inside world, not mm-hmm. the outside. I'm smiling. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to go home and cry. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to bow my eyes out all the way home, you yeah. know. And I mean, but when my inward world collapses, I've connected myself and my identity to something that's unhealthy. And those are just, I just, people just didn't mention it. And I've just kind of figured them out along the way with the Holy Spirit, of course, you know, just going, yeah, that's, you don't have to live with that. Can I take that? Um, so the journey has been continuous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I still find places. I'm, I'm still at least a little bit more aware, like, you know what's going on. You're like, yep, I'm not ready to deal with it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to tap into your burden, and maybe your temporal intelligence, 
and your mama heart. You have a daughter, and I wonder, thinking forward, what would you like, what opportunities, what world would you like her to have that you didn't? Oh, man. Inside the church or just in the world? Let's start with inside the church. Yeah, I would love for her to see... um, I would love her to see women as a normality, like in preaching, teaching, as opposed to a special feature. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I would love for it to just normalize for her. Um, I think that she's there, you know, my husband and I are joking because she's she's so strong as well. And so we were thinking, I don't know what we thought. I don't know any women on my husband's side or my or my side that aren't just strong women. We yeah. were like, yep, we're going to get a supercharged girl. <laughs> yeah. And so um, and so for her, that's her norm because it's what she's around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would love for her to encounter people like her brother who have grown up around that strength and are super comfortable with it. That's yeah. good. Like who, you know, the balance will come also in the two of the, the because when we permission one to get healthy, it, it actually frees up the other gender. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now for the church, it's primarily been single parented by the father. And I want her to see the father and the mother, just the way the health she's seen in, in her own That's home, so that she would see it in the church as well. Um, but there are things, um, I, again, of course you can see where I have a little bit of a play on, on language. And I was like, well, I think right now we're raising transgender leaders in the church. <laughs> and my husband was like, do you have to do it that way? And I was like, well, it's kind of true. You know, because we've asked them to be both genders. Wow. And so we've asked them. And so once we free up and allow, and I don't, this is the part that it's still in play. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Is there certain things that are just masculine or just feminine? And, you know, have we let each gender take a territory that actually could have been shared or, you know, what would that look like? What does co-reigning look like? What does it look like? And mm-hmm. I think that we would see the men are going to find some freedom too. Like that wasn't even mine. I was trying to be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. And for women as well, it's like, wow, that that could look totally different. So I want her to see the health of that. Um, so you can kind of see it's like I want it for both my son and my yes, daughter. It's yeah. like I want to see that health that they have. Um, and I, honestly, I guess— Maybe that's why the Lord gave me a, one, a girl one and a boy. Yeah. I'm like trying to work out the church inside my home. Because if you can nail it home, <laughs> I feel yeah. like you can do it. If I can communicate to my teenage son, I feel like I can communicate yeah. anywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a beautiful picture of what the house, you know, was yeah. supposed to look like with a father and a mother. And so um, I think that that would create a different place in the world. We would actually look like something that was appealing for the world to be attracted to. And right now, um, you know, I feel like I'll make statements. I think what's really hard for her, she's Gen Z and uh, so is my son. They're still in Gen Z. And so for her, it's very hard because where you want to, you see a world slipping away that won't create absolutes everything's subjective. Well, I mean, it's just kind of their perspective. I mean, you don't know their pain. I mean, you don't. And I was like, okay. I mean, and so when I make a very definitive line, I can tell like it kind of creates this, Mm -hmm. this rub in them. And I'm like, okay, let's have a conversation. And so it's going to, I want something that they can see that their faith doesn't have to move with the title, you know, the waves that it is firm. It is a rock. Jesus is a rock to stand on. And that they can stand there comfortably, you know, and go, no, this is where I want to be. 
and not be tempted like, oh, that looks cool on that wave. Like, okay, get on a raft boat. That's really what it's like. You're not <laughs> on a cruise ship, you know, and even on a cruise ship after a while, you're like, I do not want to keep in motion. I want something firm. Okay. And so I believe it starts, it does start in our homes. What I'm wanting, the change I'm wanting to see in the church, I need to start it. At, oh. Well, it's kind of like even go to, it needs to start inside of me. Mm-hmm. It, you know, am, am I showing that grounded place in the Lord for my kids so that now our, our family can operate that way so that we can be a piece of showing how the, the body of Christ is supposed to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can begin to ripple that out to the world. But the realities are the way we even just pay attention to how conversations happen at home. There's mm-hmm. yeah. one way to have a problem solving meeting or a brainstorming <laughs> meeting. You know, there's, Whatever is dominant, and it maybe emotions even dominate. Maybe it's even the, the logic dominates, or you know, just what the kids want dominate. Because I didn't get what I wanted as a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's all those places. Can we have differing opinions? Yeah. It sounds very kingdom. It it does, and it's so messy. Like I like the ideal of it, but then we're right in the middle of a dinner discussion, and their ideal is not mine. <laughs> And I literally, I remember I was like, it's okay. We can all have our own opinions. And then uh, my son said something that was totally contrary. I was like, whose side are you on? And he's like, I thought there weren't sides. I was like, I didn't either until you said that. And then I'm like, what are you doing? You know. And so it's, it's the messiness of working that out. Um, but I think that I have to take personal ownership. And then I have to begin to steward what's in front of me. It's like, I want to think about all the big world change that I want to create. It's like, what are the pockets of influence that you have? Mm-hmm. It's the little by little. Mm-hmm. And, and God was specific. The, the word I felt the Lord gave me for this year was possess the land. And, you know, there were some things about possessing that land that he desired that he was like, okay, one, the animals will not roam unchecked and that it would be fruitful and that I would defeat whatever enemies and he would defeat them for me, whether it was helping, giving me a strategy to defeat them or sometimes the enemy just was defeated for them. I was like, but those things, those kind of three ideas were there so far. I'm sure there's more, but, mm-hmm. and, and the Lord's like, you want to move on, but is that land fruitful? Like you want more territory, you want other things, you want to be successful in other places. And that's my, you know, I mean, it's like, there's so many things that you got a peak of a dream and you're like, oh, I want, you know, and the yeah. Lord's like, be fruitful in this place. So where I can be fruitful in the lands inside my own heart and mm-hmm. my family. And then stop devaluing every opportunity you have mm-hmm. as something that's not a big enough land. It's mm-hmm. like, learn, learn how to make it fruitful, help the animal. And there's a lot of animals that are hard to keep in check. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, and, and, and even that reality of feeling like the enemy's bigger, the infrastructure's bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that lie of the perspective that they had about the giants. It wasn't the fact that giants weren't in the land. The, they weren't lying. The giants were in the land. Um, and I, the reality was, though, that God had already given them a promise it was their land. He didn't ask them to go in and t- ask their opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you think? Should we take it? Yeah. <laughs> the Lord was like, no, no, I wanted you to go in with eyes of understanding that saw, mm-hmm. you know, look at this because I want you to see it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we... What they what their eyes became attracted to was how big, you know, mm-hmm. and how small, like their themselves in respect to those giants. And I think that especially you pick it, you know, the thing that we would all connect to here is that as women, we can feel small on a giant infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, like especially that most of ministry has uh, is male dominated. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, great. So I'm always there. I do feel like a grasshopper. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's like, what you missed is I had already defeated giants in the land for Lot and for Esau. This was actually before their story. So actually, if you, you wanted testimony, I have a resume of defeating giants. If you really, mm-hmm. nobody wanted to talk about that. But, you know, the Lord's like, oh, that I need you to put your eyes on who he is and not who they are. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what situation you're facing, no matter what, um, infrast- you know, whatever it is, the enemy can have your eye on it. And so you're just like, it's just never going to happen. I'm never going to be seen. I'm never going to be valued. I'm never going to be able mm-hmm. to contribute. And I don't mean these as places. It's like, yeah, and I've nailed this. It was like, I had this conversation with myself just like last week. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're going to be okay. Like you, yeah. he starts shifting places of, you know, I thought we were, I see patterns. I thought we were heading this way. Like yeah. literally we'd got this done, this done, this done. This is next. Yeah. And he's like, oh, let's take a left turn. I was like, that is not fun. And the Lord's like, you know, just go ahead and make sure what's attached to your identity. Was right. any of this, was progress, right. was land, was territory? I'm like, oh, maybe, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hopeful um, picture, though, that I would I would hope for the same picture that you're hoping for your daughter. Yeah. Um, that we would, I just say, Lord, let your kingdom come yeah. and keep on coming, yeah. right, to the yeah. church. It's been so great to talk to you. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Um, and I just want to say, if they want more about this, um, Dr. Fambro hosts a podcast of her own called Smarter Than You Think. You should definitely check it out. And where else could they could somebody connect with you if they wanted to? Uh, so there's a website, horrible spelling, because it's going to be my name, so you're <laughs> going to have to find it. It's irenefambro.com, okay. um, and it has other resources, um, teachings and things like that. And so... Um, I would love for them to connect because it's a real journey about how do we bring multiple contribution to the table together? Because if it's just one voice shouting it, it's not going to happen. But I hope to ripple that influence out so people start waking it up inside themselves so they can see it and value it in others. That's great. great. Thanks so much for being with Thanks with us. And thanks for listening in. And if you like what you heard, if you would click subscribe, it would help us so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast, powered by the King's University, a school committed to encouraging and validating women on their ministry journeys. To learn more, visit tku.edu.